It's time for another pop quiz. And this time, we're going to hit you with 12 trivia questions drawn from episodes in our religion category. Religion is something that people think about a lot, but are they often thinking about many different ones and obscure references and factoids from faiths they have never practiced? Well, this might be tougher than you think. And it's coming up right now on Skeptoid. Ready to take your Skeptoid experience to the next level? Head on over to Skeptoid.com slash GoPremium to become a proud member and unlock a world of exclusive benefits. Picture this, ad-free listening and extended versions of every new episode, diving deep into the mysteries and real truth without interruption. Take this opportunity to elevate your journey and join the Skeptoid community today. Skeptoid.com slash GoPremium. You're listening to Skeptoid. I'm Brian Dunning from Skeptoid.com. Pop Quiz, Religious Symbolism. I hope you've been listening very carefully to Skeptoid over the years, because today we're putting your knowledge of the subject to the test with another famous Skeptoid Pop Quiz. Today's theme is religious symbolism, so the questions are all going to pertain to Skeptoid episodes on that topic. The answers to all the questions were in the episodes, so as long as you're either a really dedicated listener or have good general knowledge on the subject, you ought to do well. Are you ready? Let's get started with a question on number one, the Shroud of Turin. One of the problems encountered when radiocarbon dating this famous shroud, said to have covered the body of Jesus, was that no comparable fabric could be found from 2,000 years ago to use as a control. What about the shroud's fabric made it unique to the period? A. It is linen, and linen was unknown in the time and place of Jesus. B. It is in a herringbone weave, a style of weave unknown in that time and place. C. It had traces of safflower dye, unknown in that time and place. The correct answer is B, the herringbone weave. This type of weave did not appear in the Mediterranean until the 13th century, so scientists were forced to use control fabrics that were not an exact match. Number two, Raelians. Followers of the pseudo-religion Raelianism, founded in 1973, practice nudism and free love, and believe in space aliens. In fact, the religion got its start when an alien named Yahweh came down in his flying saucer and took the founder, Claude Vorillon, for a ride. What had been his profession before this adventure? A. Helicopter pilot B. Rugby player C. Race car driver. The correct answer is C, race car driver. Following several flying saucer joyrides and profound conversations with Yahweh, Vaurillon changed his name to Rael and formed his new church. He was more successful at that than he'd been racing cars. Number three, the Holy Grail. 
It is generally well known that the story of the Holy Grail comes not from Christianity at all, but from Arthurian legend, having been added to the canon by various medieval authors. What branch of study have scholars used to determine when such elements were added to the King Arthur story? A. Computational stylistics. B. Stematics. C. Pragmatics. The correct answer is B. Stematics. This involves the creation of a sort of family tree of a body of literature called a recension, mapping out the different variations over a timeline, and then studying the relationships of the branches to understand how certain elements fit within the whole. Number four, Rosicrucians. Rosicrucianism is a system of New Age mysticism based on a series of three anonymous manifestos written in the 1600s. Today, they are incorporated as Amorc, the ancient mystical order Rosé Crucis. For a few hundred bucks a year, they will keep you entertained by mailing you lessons for self-study, which they based on early 20th century books pseudonymously written by which author? A. William Walker Atkinson B. Neville Goddard C. Prentice Mulford The correct answer is C, William Walker Atkinson. When he realized the Rosicrucians were essentially reselling works he'd written under Eastern-sounding pseudonyms, he published a special book just to get back at them by giving out their secrets for free, titled The Secret Doctrine of the Rosicrucians. Number 5. Jewish Slaves Built the Pyramids a myth popular among Christians is that Jewish slaves were held in ancient Egypt and were the labor force for many of Egypt's great monuments, said by some to include the pyramids themselves. In fact, the very first Jews in Egypt, a garrison of soldiers on Elephantine Island, arrived how long after the Great Pyramid was completed? A. About 100 years. B. About 2,000 years. C. About 4,000 years. The correct answer is B. About 2,000 years. The Great Pyramid, which we now know was named the Horizon of Khufu, was completed around 2550 BCE, and the garrison of Jewish soldiers from the Persian Empire first planted stakes in Elephantine Island around 650 BCE. Their purpose was to assist the Egyptian pharaoh in his war against the Nubians. Number 6. The Hollow Earth In 1897, members of the Koreshan Unity Commune Church decided to prove their conviction that the Earth is hollow and that we live on the inside surface of a great hollow sphere. To do so, they built precisely constructed rectangular frames called rectilineators, and bolted a long line of them together over the water. As the line extended, they reasoned the upward curvature of the water would gradually get closer to their rectilineators. Their experiment was a success. Why? A. They failed to account for the tide rising as they extended their line, so of course the water got closer to their rectilineators. B. 
Their surveyor used the biblical interpretation of pi of exactly 3.0, which made their measurements match their predictions and not the actual surface of the Earth. C. The rectilineators were built in such a way that they could sag and thus got closer and closer to the water. The correct answer is C. The rectilineators could sag. Although they had rigid steel diagonals intended to prevent sagging, a crucial attachment to the diagonals where they intersected was missing, and to save weight they had no top or bottom crossbars. This allowed them to sag imperceptibly into trapezoids. Head on over to Skeptoid.com store and explore the Skeptoid store where curiosity meets cool. We have books, socks, shirts, hoodies, and more. Check out our slick new Bigfoot design, where the mystery of this legendary cryptid never looked so good. And while you're here, don't forget to grab a Skeptoid USB drive, your portal to all episodes and all our movies, now including the UFO movie They Don't Want You to See. That's not all we have planned. We have a lineup of way more cool stuff coming soon. So head on over, skeptoid.com slash store, and snag your swag. Number 7. The Ark of the Covenant One example of the Ark of the Covenant is secured in the tiny chapel of the tablet, built in the 1950s by the wife of Emperor Haile Selassie of Ethiopia. A single guardian spends his entire life inside the quarter-acre fenced enclosure surrounding the chapel, and nobody is ever permitted to see the Ark. Which of the following is true of the chapel? A. Inside its humble exterior is a one-meter-thick wall of reinforced concrete, making it effectively bomb-proof. B. Although tiny on the outside, it is only the entrance to a subterranean maze designed so that only the Guardian can ever find the Ark. He paces the entire maze every day so that his footprints can never be used to track him. C. It was built around the Ark, with passages and corners so tight that the Ark can never be removed. The correct answer is C. It was built around the Ark. But have no fear, you can still see it. Every one of the church's temples throughout Ethiopia displays a replica. Number 8. Al-Ghazali and Arab Islamic Science Before Islam declared that the practice of science was incompatible with the religion, a period known as the Golden Age of Science flourished in the Middle East, with Mecca at the very center of it. This was mainly because the Arab Islamic world was where all the major trade routes intersected, bringing all the latest knowledge and newest inventions. What was the single biggest factor that brought an end to the Golden Age? A. An internal conflict between Sufism and Sunni Islam resulted in the execution of the most eminent scholars and scientists. B. The Crusades, which burned the great libraries and destroyed the great universities. C. The influence of the Islamic theologian Abu Hamid al-Ghazali, whose codification of Islam essentially abolished science. 
The correct answer is B, the Crusades. Although many people point the finger today at al-Ghazali, and his teachings were absolutely consistent with the abolishment of science, they had almost no practical impact compared to the total devastation wrought by the Crusaders. Christians, barbarians, knights, and peasants all overran and destroyed the great Arab centers. Number 9. The Flat Earth Theory Belief in a flat earth first arose in the 19th century among Christian fundamentalists who believed certain passages in the Bible meant that the earth was flat. It persisted until 1996, when the International Flat Earth Research Society of America ended, when the home of its fire and brimstone owners, Charles and Marjorie Johnson, burned down in a remote part of the California desert. What was the name of their church? A. Triumph Church of the Covenant B. Redeemer of Freedom Church or C. The Covenant People's Church The correct answer is C. The Covenant People's Church. This was the true incorporated name of the International Flat Earth Research Society of America. The other two options I came up with by googling Church Name Generator. Number 10. The Haitian Zombies Voodoo bokors, or sorcerers, are said to be able to turn people into zombies using a special powder containing tetrodotoxin, the same thing that kills a few people every year who eat improperly prepared fugu, the sushi made from a pufferfish. An anthropology grad student went to Haiti to investigate, and wrote which of the following books detailing his experience. A. Requiem for a Dream B. The Man with the Golden Arm C. The Serpent and the Rainbow The correct answer is C. The Serpent and the Rainbow by anthropologist Wade Davis which was soon made into a 1988 horror film by director Wes Craven. Number 11. Exorcism In the episode, I described exorcism as a brutal, heinous, medieval torture ritual, which it is, by any psychological standard. In the 1980s, a commission of German theologians petitioned the Vatican to ban what part of the exorcism ritual? A directly addressing the hypothetical demon, b. withholding food and water until the hypothetical demon vacates, c. the sprinkling of holy water on the possessed, as it may cause burns. The correct answer is a. directly addressing the demon, though it took the Vatican a full 15 years to agree to this change. The commission understood that many who are deemed possessed may be suffering instead from a psychological problem, such as schizophrenia. By addressing the demon, the exorcist would thus be confirming the patient's belief in the existence of the demon, thus making the psychological problem so much harder to treat. Even a broken clock is right twice a day. Number 12. Scientology the basic practice of being a Scientologist is so-called auditing, expensive sessions where the practitioners questioned about their past and their trauma, 
all while holding the two leads of a fancy-looking machine. It's basically a common galvanometer, but Scientology calls it by what name? A. Plasma splitter B. E-meter C. Wave binder The correct answer is B, the E-meter, shortened from its original name, the electropsychometer. I got the other options from googling scientific device name generator. The true purpose of the E-meter is to deceive the Scientologist into thinking the auditing is a highly technical and scientific procedure requiring a skilled technician, when in fact the E-meter really does nothing at all except swing the needle back and forth on its display panel. And that's all we've got for you today. So how did you do? If you got five or fewer right, then I'm sorry, but we're going to have to send you back to Sunday school in about ten different religions. If you got as many as ten, then congratulations, you have a good general knowledge and your credentials are in order. If you beat that, then you are indeed a religious figure yourself, qualified to be worshipped as a skeptical superstar. So congratulations, and until next week, stay pious. You know who else is always pious? Why, Skeptoid's premium supporters like James Owen, Yanis the Skeptic on the Sky Road, Jim Preston, and Kenneth Ingham. Pick up an autographed Skeptoid book or Skeptoid socks or a t-shirt in our online store. We've got all the styles, sizes, and colors at Skeptoid.com store. And be sure to catch In Fact, our YouTube video series based on selected Skeptoid episodes. Find it at InFactVideo.com. You're listening to Skeptoid, a listener-supported program. I'm Brian Dunning from Skeptoid.com. Hi, this is Mark from Santa Fe, New Mexico. You know, when you consider that every single day we're exposed to such an avalanche of deliberate disinformation, conspiracy theories, false claims hidden agendas and outright lies that it's no wonder that we can feel overwhelmed by it all. How can anyone know what to believe anymore? Well, by employing skepticism, critical thinking, and deliberate search for truth through science. That's how. Let Brian Dunning and Skeptoid be your guide in separating real facts from fiction. After enjoying episodes for a good many years, I finally decided to give back and become a premium member. Thank you, Brian, for performing a very valuable public service. Oh, yes, the episodes are also very well produced and very entertaining. There are so many great resources and tremendous library of past episodes you will have access to. I would highly recommend you consider becoming a premium member today.